cell. I rap at the door, my young son Gabriel walks in. My wife says, no, Gabriel, leave. I say, no, let the boy watch. Let the boy watch. He needs to learn the way I learned from my father. The way he learned from his father. <laughs> let the boy watch. Welcome back to episode number four of Let the Boys Watch, a entertainment podcast brought to you by Going Great Productions. I am one of your callers. My name is Robbie. Alongside of me is a man who runs on Wonder Bread and Steak Fritz for the past 20 years, Cousin Benny. I haven't had a good shit in, that, in those 20 years. <laughs> I've seen him, never. <laughs> and another man who... Forgot to wear his compression socks. Make so it look sexy for his guma. Our co-host Ryan, who's wearing the compre- who's talking about the compression socks? Tom. I think it was Tom. That's I mean, I just want to say that was a great introduction by the man who's getting his melancholy everywhere. Cousin Rob, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All over my my uh, what tuna tacos. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like Robbie said, this is Let the Boys Watch, and we are doing uh, a review of Succession Season 4. This episode um, is also Episode 4, called The Honeymoon States. Um, it got a 9.3 on IMDb, just for frame of reference. Uh, also, Episode 3 is still holding strong at 9.9. It actually was at 10 for a little bit with like 10,000 reviews, which is insanity. Um, at least to me, maybe not to you guys, but <laughs> I think they uh, said, um, they said somebody with the name death cab. I'm a cutie, uh, <laughs> kind of, you know, devalued that score. They said it came from uh, undisclosed location, but the guy's name was Ryan last name redacted. That was not, that was not me. I don't, I don't do review internet reviews. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Although this is an internet review, so maybe I do. <laughs> um, so what would you guys' overall impressions of this episode? A little bit, you know, obviously last week's was uh, a, a big episode. This week was, you know, kind of dealing with the fallout, but still overall a pretty good episode. What would you guys think? Uh, Robbie, why don't, you, why don't you kick us off? Sure, I thought it was another great episode. Um, very, very humorous. Uh, especially after you know last week's kind of uh, grief-heavy, um, doom and gloom type episode, right? Th- thought it was nice to have everybody in uh, in one room together. I don't think it lacked, you know, I guess star power or pizzazz with Brian Cox not being there. I think I kind of enjoyed it even more because all the big players got bigger parts. Anytime you can give me more Frank, Jerry, and Carl, I'm all in. Uh, we even had a little <laughs> Stephen Root, Stephen Root for a couple of a uh, couple minutes. Yeah, that was nice. But man, I thought another, I thought another solid episode. I mean, this this final season is uh, so far going out with a bang, and I love it. Uh, obviously, great performances again, written superb. Marsha, take a fucking hike. You're the worst. <laughs> um, and it was it was great to see uh, Kendall break bed, which we'll uh, kind of go go on and talk about in this episode, but. Another fantastic episode. I don't really have anything uh, negative to say about it. Hey. Yeah, I thought. Um, so originally when when the episode ended, I was like, all right, 
not a lot happened here. It was just, you know, it was kind of that, you know, we always talk about that middle season fodder on a lot of shows. Right. But the the more I thought about it, the more, you know, I loved it. Yeah, I'm, am I going to put it up there? You know, there are two episodes this year where I said, wow, you know, some of the greatest episodes of the show. No, they're not that. But, you know, at the end, I was like, was this the Logan episode? Uh, excuse me, was this the Kendall episode or was this the Carl episode? Because they were going back and forth as to who owned, owned the day. But, um, you know, like Robbie said, I was glad to see it went very humor heavy after last week. And, you know, it's one of the, the show things the show does so great. Um, but I loved the emotion from Kendall, you know, from the beginning to the end, like he starts that episode in a deep depression and, you know, the final shot we get of Kendall, it's just, he goes through the whole range of emotion, the whole episode. So, you know, I, I thought it was a great app. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, it was a good episode. Um, I think my, um, I don't know, as usual, my, my thoughts on it are probably a little, tempered compared to yours um like i liked it it wasn't as good as last week but overall still i'm kind of like yeah it's good but i don't know it's just it doesn't hit the same for me as it does for you guys and it's fine i still like it i'm enjoying watching it but i'm not like sucking its dick like you too yeah do you think you enjoy the episodes a little bit more knowing that you know we're gonna do the breakdown and we're gonna kind of dive deep into them has this doing this like elevated your like of the show a hundred percent i think if i wasn't doing this i'm i don't know i I don't know if like i'd be as into it at all like i, I might even stop watching to be really? honest and not because again i don't like it but i just that's just what i do like i don't if i'm not like super engaged i'm just like eh, i'll just fucking read about the blot summary in like six weeks or something yeah i, I don't have as much time as as I used to, so yeah, it's precious. I don't, I don't really think me and Benny are fucking, you know, slobbing on the knob. No, no, I'm just, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> I think we, I, like, like you said, I, I'm, I don't know, something about shows like this to me. I just love dialogue, and I love, like, again, the plot and the scheme, and I love a great, a great written show. So that's why it brings me in. But, um, you know, the internet was talking. You know, they were, they were up in arms. They were. Roaring and soaring, but they want to know this week. They're on Plum Watch, so <laughs> if you can give us a, uh, a ten uh, out of ten plums, uh, I'll go seven point one. Still okay. good, above average. I mean, I mean, again, it's me... on my scale. Like, I get it that it's people probably think it's low, but for me, that's still very good. To me, what the show is, I mean, we've talked about it a few times where like nothing major happens. It always kind of feels like you're running in circles a little bit. To me, it's it's the acting and it's the writing. And it's, you know, every time like you can't I don't want to say count a character out because it's not like they're doing major things. But like you forget about a character like they come in with an episode where you're just like, yo, he's a great <laughs> actor. She's a great actress. Like yeah. that's what I love about show is like everybody's always so on point and i feel like the cinematography this season has been on a whole other level everything just feels like right in your face um like this season four man bangers only <laughs> like logan's birthday party it's true <laughs> um so yeah no i mean again i it's good everything you're saying is true i agree with everything you guys are saying but it just doesn't get me going uh 
like some other shows, but I still like it. Cinematography, acting, writing, it's all awesome. But mm, I don't know. Well, this would be a perfect way to segue into if you disagree with Ryan, if you yeah. disagree with me or Robbie, yeah. uh, we have an email. It's ltbwpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we have an Instagram, let the boys watch pod on Instagram. You can email us. You can slide into our DMs. Tell us, you know, who you agree with, who who you want to see succeed at the end, who you want, you know, to get their comeuppance. Anything you want to talk about this show, maybe give us some requests as to the things you want us to start watching after. Robbie and I have not seen a lot of movies. And I feel like that's going to be one of the things we dive into on this podcast. So any of that stuff you want to talk about us, hit us up on the email and hit us up on the Instagram, which will be in the show notes. Big save, Benny. <laughs> we almost forgot again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <It's> fucking worst. <laughs> um, so, yeah, please email us. Uh, send us a message, follow us, rate us, review us, all that fun stuff. We really appreciate it. Um, so what would you guys think of this opening scene? I actually liked this opening scene a lot. Um, you know, showing all the kids kind of like just hanging out at home, getting ready. They're different. Maybe not perspectives isn't the right word, but like their feelings this morning. And it kind of was echoed later on when they're first talking how Romans kind of seemed like, OK, in the morning, Kendall's a sad sack piece of shit. And Shiv gets a phone call. Did you guys know what was happening right away? Or were you kind of confused about that phone call? Uh, as soon as she said, uh, start talking about the amniocentesis, I got slapped in the leg by yeah. my better half. Uh, she she was like, I called it. I called it. I knew it. Yeah. I know. Shout out PM2. That's right. Brought, brought it up in an email for us. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think that that's a, there's going to be a lot for us to talk about there as we go on in some of the, Shiv and Tom interactions in this yep. episode. Um, but it's definitely a, a nice little curveball that they threw in there. Do you think it's Tom's? I think 100%. Yeah, I think because it, while we know Shiv is a little promiscuous and she likes to, you know, take out her grief on a in-car handy, you know, <laughs> from time to time. Some of the best. She, <laughs> I think what makes the most or what makes the best story is it's Tom's kid. So I think yeah. that you know they're not going to stray from that. What about you, Rob? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a great opening scene. I thought it was uh, <clears throat> really cool to see the different kids going through. I guess the grieving stages, the early grieving stages, the day after their father died, and and what they were going through and their emotions. Obviously, you saw it. It hit Kendall the worst. Um, I was watching. I was like, man, Roman doesn't give a fuck. But he, even he says it at the in like the middle episode, like, yeah, I guess I pre-grieved. He goes, but it's going to hit, it'll definitely hit me later. So like, he knows obviously. And then, um, the ship thing. <clears throat> yeah. Like once the doctor started talking, I was like, Oh my God, I, I didn't think they were going to bring the pregnancy in like real life pregnancy. in, But once they did now, it just opens the door for Tom to, to s stay in to s if, if it's his kid, he's back. What I said, little, little <laughs> Trump card. Shout out, shout out, uh, 45. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought it was a great, great opening scene. You know, you got Kendall, uh, said sacking it up like he, like he does so well. So, yeah, it was, it was uh, a nice little touch in the opening scene. 
Yeah, agree. And I think like you made a good point there. Um, I think that was Benny about the best story. Or was that Robbie who said that? That was me. Yeah, like I have to keep or I have to stop thinking that this story is is like other shows where it's like crazy shit's going to happen. Like it really should be like best story. Um, so like we're not going to get like that it was fucking some random dudes like maybe it's like carl's baby or something i don't you know something like fucking wild it's that's not gonna happen it's gonna be tom they're gonna get back together like i said they were and that's the end of the story see i still don't see them getting together man i just you see the way shiv reacts to them him like yes she does it when she falls down and she's like don't fucking touch me but even that moment that they have on the stairs where he like, you know, he tells that story about when they first met and yeah. he's trying to be nice to her and like, you know, be a shoulder for her to cry on. He like ever so slightly touches her leg and she like recoils. Yeah. Like it's it's not even like, please, you know, this isn't what's best for us right now. She like she almost looks like she's disgusted by one of the disgusting brothers. Yeah. Now, do you do you think she's disgusted? Because yeah, we know why she's disgusted, but do you think she's disgusted because she knows that now he's coming to kind of soften her up a little bit with a nice little story when they first met because he's been obviously we could talk about it, but he's been going to each family member each each sibling and trying to get in their good graces i'm here to serve that's it <laughs> i'm here to serve what do you think ryan yeah i mean he clearly he was such a fucking wet noodle this this episode he was just like going to everybody because he knows and I mean, what was that? Carl with the fucking line of the of the episode called him a I don't even know the whole quote, the inner interloper. <laughs> yeah. And clumsy interloper. Clumsy interloper. And just so clearly Tom knows that he has nobody in his corner at this point and is just trying desperately to grasp at anybody that will back him. Um, I don't know. To me, it feels like I feel like the Shiv moment was real. I still think that there's part of him that wants things to work out with Shiv. Right. You know, whether or not it's because of the power that he gets from being with her. But, you know, I really think he did love her on some level. But, you know, I know that you think that they're going to end up back together. But I keep going, you know, I keep going back to my thought where, you know, at least I've seen it in my life when a woman doesn't want to be with you, like she's made up her mind. And that's it. And to me, I kind of feel like that's where Shiv's at at this point. I totally, yeah, I totally agree with you. I also uh, harken back to what Ryan said about like a swerve, like oh, it's uh, it's the Butler's baby or something like that, or it's Mondale's kid. But <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is that that isn't this show. It's never been this show. It's never going to be the show. I think Jesse Armstrong and those guys are just they have it down pat, kind of like how. Uh, Vince Gilligan is had it had um breaking bad down pat. Like they it just the writing and everything, like the, all these things are not subtle instances. Like everything is kind of tied together. Even when you see uh Kendall walking into Logan's house and you see him moping around, but he hears Hugo's conversation, right? He's he's well aware, and that little right. part comes back at the end. That's what I love about shows like bringing everything that you see kind of 
back into the into the forefront and 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 pick up on it yeah i mean i think that's you know like you mentioned the with the with hugo the show does does so many things where it's like a callback or something you know you know i know kendall at one point says to and not in the birthday episode but he says to roman or shiv like you're not a serious person and that ends up being the last thing that Logan says to them. So, you know, I just love how they kind of always are reaching back and pulling and, you know, you see the symmetry from earlier seasons to now. I just, to me, that's when the show is at its best. And, you know, I know we keep saying that this isn't a show of swerves and like that, that chess move. I do think that there is one in store for us. I don't know what it is, but I don't think they're going to waste it on something like that. It's going to be a big, big move that I don't think anybody's expecting or anybody sees coming. Yeah. You might be right. I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what moves papers these days, right? You know, something crazy, the internet goes crazy. Um, so I, I agree. I think there's probably at least one big thing that's going to happen, but yeah, I don't know. Like the baby daddy question mark is not this show. It's uh that's a little too trashy for I think succession. Yeah. We'll see. So Robbie mentioned uh Kendall walking into Logan's apartment. Yeah, he sees Hugo, you know, he's on the phone, he's clearly very upset with somebody. Somebody fucked him over big time. Kendall goes Wait, into the go ahead. His is am I crazy? Is in my eyes, but Hugo's head is way too big for his neck, right? I think yeah, I think his yeah. head is normal sized. But his neck is just he like every time I see him, I go pencil neck. Yeah. Pencil neck. And I, I and I'm I'm very cautious as to saying this on the podcast or like saying it out loud because right. I don't know if he's had like Something. some kind of throat issue and you know yeah, I don't surgery. Know. But it's like very small. He's got a yeah. toothpick neck. There, I can there see was, much. Go ahead. Oh sorry. There was a uh like a backward shot this episode uh-huh. of him. And it was I was like, holy shit. His he's like, yeah, hey, he's got a number two pencil neck. I was like, holy crap, his neck is so thin that his head might just fucking break his neck because it's so big. <laughs> yeah, it's super pronounced. And I saw somebody mention this um, on Reddit where mm-hmm. Kendall is like, he always finds himself kind of standing over people in this episode. And I yeah. think they like, you know, when he's on the stairs with Tom, he's like looking down at him slightly. He's always looking down at Shiv or Roman. And when he's talking to when Hugo brings up his issue where there might be a little inside traitor accusation against Hugo, um, <laughs> Kendall standing over him and you could dude, it was like his neck was like so tiny in that in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I, I don't bring it up like to make fun. I agree. Like me, we don't know. Maybe something's something's up. He had an issue or something like that. But like. It's just every time I see it, it's like striking. I'm like, holy goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I mentioned, Kendall walks into the apartment. He meets Marsha for the first time since she's Ugh. back from her little. She's the fucking worst, dude. She's back worst. from her shopping spree in Milan. <laughs> in um, Milan. <laughs> she, she mentions that her and Logan have been speaking intimately every single day, which I think we could probably all agree. Probably not true. Um, then we move to, yeah, I don't think that's true. I, yeah. I mean, if the, I, I feel like almost the, this whole episode, except for maybe the kids, but them to a certain extent is just vultures circling. Yep. Everyone is trying to position themselves to 
either get a payday or get some little piece of power or something. Like just about everyone, their goal today was something to get something. Yeah. And and we see Marsha makes a, gr- a a big real estate move too. So she she <laughs> definitely found a way to cash in super quick. Uh, any thoughts? Do we, do we on... even know like that's like is the apartment hers automatically? I, we don't know that, or just do are we just well, assuming? I mean, come on, they've been they've been talking every night uh, before he died <laughs> intimately. So, intimately. intimately. Oh, that definitely deserves sixty mil. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you know unless it's something specific in the will, they never got divorced. So I'm sure that you know by just the grace of them being married, it's it's hers at this point. So. I don't think I there's going to be it, anything fishy there. I find it hard to believe a man of Logan's stature and wealth would not and, and health would not be a little more up to the minute on like his will or whatever. Now I understand I'm sure at, when you're at that age and whatever it's like a constant reminder of your mortality so you may not want to you know, be constantly changing your paperwork. But like Marsha was out of the picture for how long? She was in Milan for months or something, I think. Like running up that black card. Yeah. Like you wouldn't even just one change. uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we definitely see that. I don't think his affairs are very up to date, you know, throughout this episode. So it, it is interesting. But, you know, I think outside of them getting divorced i don't think he saw a reason to update anything i don't think he, he yeah. thought he was going this soon but i mean you know i think that's just the the hubris of anybody that that's rich you know they all didn't think he was going anywhere maybe the chess move is like a, an actual up-to-date will somewhere in greg's apartment yeah yeah probably with the other paperwork maybe the it's logistics gonna be folder. his brother even Something though they hated doing. each other they were still brothers. Yeah. I don't Could know. Could be. I'm spe- I think I'm spe- That would ruin the show for me. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> uh, do you any thoughts, Robbie, or do you want to head to the the scene with the kids? Uh, yeah. I just, I get it. I did. That's probably the only thing I didn't like was just her just showing up and just taking control. That annoyed me kind of. But I get the circumstances in the situation. Um, I did love an, an old school spit handshake deal. Between her <laughs> that was good. Her and the con man. Uh, 63 mil for that apartment. Uh, I love it. I loved, I don't know if this was the same scene, but the interaction between her and Willa, she was trying to kind of demean Willa and then Willa came right back at her. Like, uh, so I, I enjoyed that because I, I don't know. I, I thought I hated, I thought Carrie was my most, uh, but I, I absolutely hate Marsha. I can't stand hate her. her. She's the she is the worst. I don't want her on screen ever again. She's the worst. Yeah, I hated her when she was married, like in the picture, like last season or whenever, because she did the same shit. Like she was just trying to assert her dominance over everyone that walked in the door. So annoying. Yeah, she definitely has the uh, quite an ego on her. But yeah, you know, I I think you're right pairing that Colin scene in with her because with this because it's kind of a little side, side scene that we get there, but. I do love, hey, the Conhead's eating right this year. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> He's back, baby. And uh, let me tell you right now. If nobody likes, you know, taking a honeymoon in uh, the swing states, then 
And the, con- <laughs> the comment ain't for you, baby. The honeymoon states. Uh, all right. So let's move to Kendall walks in and meets the siblings. They kind of go over, you know, their how they're dealing with the grief. Roman says that he's pre-grieved and uh, Kendall doesn't agree with him. He says that you're lying. Uh, they have a good laugh about that. Shiv, you know, still kind of in denial, it seems, but it, and it's hitting her hard. And Kendall lets us know that he's been up all night. And, you know, as we saw in the opening scene, you know, he's not taking it well. But um, the reviews are in. We get a whole bunch of newspapers. I thought, you know, <laughs> I, I love when they're playing the code switching game and, and they're doing, uh, you know, he was a man of his times. Yeah. And they're like, oh, racist. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it feels like we're in this is probably going to change by the end of the episode, but it feels like the kids are in such a good spot and, you know, they're they're working together. They you know, they're they're there for each other. Ryan, what do you think about, you know, the way the kids have handled this so far? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it the dynamic changes a bit by the end of the episode, but I agree um, they're working together better than probably they have the entire series. Um, but I also want to say quickly before we move on from this is I think also Shiv, besides the grief, is dealing with the news she got earlier that morning. Um, and, you know, everyone processes grief differently so like kind of just as an aside outside of the show like you know when something like that happens everyone i think processes it differently and acts differently and i hate when there's like i don't know if it's societal pressure but that you're supposed to act a certain way at like a week or a funeral or you know after news like this and you know i think um I don't know. Like like Roman might be pre-grieving, but this is just also his way of internalizing it and dealing with it and like making jokes. I mean, that's how he operates most of the time anyway. So, yeah, I think they're all grieving in their own way and we might see more of this as time goes on. Like maybe it'll hit Roman hard in like an episode or two or something, we don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's good how they've been working together. I'm curious to see how this dynamic's going to play out especially after everything that happens with the three of them or the two of them in a little bit. Robbie, what about you? Yeah, I thought it was a great scene with them. Um, I think the three of them have uh, great chemistry together, and you and you see it, obviously, on on the small screen. Uh, but again, it's it's kind of short-lived, especially when we get the, that little paper that Logan leaves behind, you know, one more little fucking screw job, even when he's... <laughs> in the grave or in bomb somewhere. But I did like, like Benny said, the little back and forth they were going with. I did like Shiv's line. I read it. She said, dad sounds amazing. I would have liked to meet, have met dad, but that was awesome. <laughs> and then the other one was a business genius. And he's like, Sim- simply he's, he never paid a penny in us taxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. I mean, you kind of knew, I guess that, you know, it's, it's, too good to be true. The three of them kind of working together for this entire season, and you knew they had to throw a little wrench in it. But uh, I did love that that scene with the three of them. And then I think that's the same scene where Greg came in. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna <laughs> transition there. Yeah, so we get we we get the the business end of this uh, episode kicked off, uh, and the grieving kind of ends for for Logan here. Like we're we're now kind of into business mode, 
uh, cousin Greg walks in to ask how his beautiful boys are doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they all shit on him and, you know, they, they kick him out because they're getting a call from Matson. Yeah, uh, get the fuck out. Yeah, get my right love- the fuck up. Fuck right the fuck off. Yeah, yeah, love- yeah. He goes, my 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 lovely guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, they get a call from Matson. They hit the fuck you button. Oh no, they let it ring out. They let they it ring, let it out, ring out. Um, to get put their heads together, and they call him back. They get his, I guess, number two or his assistant, and you know they're kind of trying to get Matson on the phone. Matson. Matt Matson, am I saying it right? I feel like I'm, I've said yeah. it too many times now. Uh, <laughs> Matson wants them to come out to meet them in Europe. They're on their company retreat, which cannot be interfered with, even no. though the kids are dealing with the loss of their father, the election coming up, and and who's going to take on the, the company. Um, what do you guys think? Is this a power play by Matson to get them to come there and kind of stonewalling them, Robbie? Oh, 100%, of course. Uh, he obviously felt butthurt with the uh, letting it go to voicemail ring, but I understood Ken. I think that was a good move by Kendall, right? Get get the the ducks in a row and make sure they're you know coherent and everybody's uh, in agreement before they say anything say anything to Matson. But I mean, as you as you known for the past two seasons now, seeing Matson on screen that he's a loose cannon, and uh, I feel like an Elon Elon Musk type character. So I think it definitely was a power play. On, on his end to get them to come out there. So I think that obviously it's going to work if we see the trailer, if you saw the trailer for next week. So uh, he definitely knows what he's doing. Um, and yeah, 100% power play on him. <laughs> Yami Yaga-esque. <laughs> Number nice. 68 from the from the face-off circle. <laughs> That's it. Um, right. Yeah, no, I think it, I agree with Robbie. It's definitely like a power play to just, see if he'll they'll come out and i also at this scene i actually paused it to ask my wife like what she thought um i said i was like well we saw in the last episode that their stock tanked because logan died now it may rebound on monday depending i mean who knows um but i'm curious to see if because of this mattson now devalues their company and said and says you know like i offer you like a billion less or you know whatever whatever the numbers yeah. end up being what do you what do you think about that benny i think the kids handled uh this <clears throat> phone call as about as well as they could have i think it's it's definitely a power play by madsen for them to not you know answer his phone call so now i'm not going to talk to you right um but i i think that they did a good job you know i think that this this deal man is it's on very thin ice you know we'll see what happens once there's new leadership there, but you know, they, they, they keep dancing around this deal. And, and I think at some point someone's going to get cold feet or make a move to either kill the deal or completely try to devalue Waystar. So I'm interested to see what happens. You know, I, I don't think this is going to be a smooth deal at all. No. And I, I don't want to go off topic, but um, as you said, like, each episode is is one day, right? So Logan died in episode three. So we got seven more episodes left. That's a, a week, basically. Do you guys think that these three can kill this company in in a week <laughs> after after what Logan built? 
try to pull an Elon Musk and just completely tank it as quickly as possible. Yeah, I, I think I mean, no, <laughs> nothing is is off the table. It, it's going to be, you know, we're going to be butting right up against the election. So it's going to be a wild end, I feel like. And I, I it could be it, it could be something where they just completely tank, tank the company. Could be. Or I was just thinking maybe they, you know, tanked the deal because now that Kendall got a little taste of uh, bossing people around that eh, maybe I'll keep the company. Yep. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Um, so during this scene, I'm not sure where it lands in, in what we've discussed. We see um, some very awkward eye contact between Tom and Shiv. <laughs> and Tom makes a decision instead of going to see the kids. He immediately goes to check on the old guard, the gray right. beards. Uh, and we get, you know, a contender of for a scene stealer uh, of the episode when they meet in the China, the China room <laughs> uh, and discuss who they think should take over. Um, so instead of maybe explaining the scene, do we have maybe a favorite line? from this conversation between Jerry, Carl, Frank, Carolina, and Tom. Robbie, do you have a favorite? It, I mean, it has to be. It has to be Carl's evisceration of, of Tom. Has to be. He just eats him alive in <laughs> uh, like three to four sentences. And it's just deadpan so well by Carl. I've, I've got to get the uh, actor, but... It's a scene stealer, man. I, I don't think you can go anywhere else but that line because it completely eats Tom alive. And I think after that, hearing that, I mean, he probably knew that already, but I think after that, that now you then you see him going to each kid and trying to weasel his way back in. But little does he know <clears throat> he is has a little card to come back in. That's right. Yeah. And I actually have but the yeah. quote here. Wait, hold on. <laughs> the negative case would go, you're a clumsy interloper and no one trusts you. Now, uh, that's part not part of the quote that's they're talking. Uh, the only guy pulling for you is dead, and now you're just married to the ex boss's daughter, and she doesn't even like you, and you are fair and squarely fucked. Yeah, and you see that hits Tom like a ton of bricks. Ton of bricks. <laughs> he knows <laughs> that he's just... figured out, and he and you know he's spot on there. You talk about your bees getting blown off. His bees <laughs> got blown to the fucking moon, and they're gone. <laughs> Yeah, somebody on West uh, East 72nd Street found those yeah. in Central Park. Um, to me, I, my favorite was like a little line, but it was when uh, Jerry and Carl were going back and forth and they're talking about uh, Carl's golden parachute and who's going to take <laughs> over as CEO. And Carl just goes, now don't push me out that plane that, that quick, Jerry. <laughs> so I just love the, the, you know, we get to see these guys, you know, they've been not held down by Logan, but, you know, they very much know their role in the company when Logan is around to is to be kind of yes men and mm -hmm. just go with whatever the boss wants. And we've never these guys are in this position for a reason, all of them. And they've all were probably killers in their day. And, you know, we get that alluded to to by Jerry with Carl, uh, how he was a legend in the 90s. So it, it's cool to see all these, you know, we call them B players, but we get to see their, you know, their corporate prowess in full yeah. effect here yeah the i mean the the cat's away so all the mice are definitely playing like we're gonna probably i think we're gonna see i well now you know what i don't know they may go back to their like their fucking 
yes, Saya, like bullshit to Kendall and Roman because they're not the CEO. So yeah. maybe maybe it would have been nice to get Carlos CEO because he would have had some some great lines. Yeah, he's he is a CFO. I mean, I thought uh, Romy Rome was on a on a heater, but man, Carl uh, this week with the with the one line is last week with the we're gonna have a little stiffener and uh, chuckles the clown. <laughs> I mean, he's been he's been you know providing some comic relief in the in the in the past few episodes in this entire series. So, and he has a great line later on as well when he's talking to Frank. So I won't discuss that, but Carl's the best. It's it's going to be a very tight race for MVP of the season when it comes down to the end. It's going to I don't know who's going to take it down, but, <laughs> you know, Carl's a dark horse contender. <laughs> uh, Roman, you know, my boy Kendall's making some power moves. And then, you know, the con heads are always going to have something to say yeah. when it comes to the MVP talk. Oh, the con heads are out in full force now. <laughs> it's even going to be tight for a serious person of the episode later. It really is. But you know what? It's going to be good because we're, we're all probably going to get a very good pick here I think at the end. Right. Yeah, no bad picks later. Yeah. Um, so now we move on to and, you know, interject if I'm forgetting anything, but we're moving on to the second half of the episode and the piece of paper. Yep. Uh, again, a great, you know, B player scene between Carl and Frank. And then when Jerry <laughs> comes in, uh you know, they they we don't get to see what's on the paper yet, but, you know, they make mention of something that as kind of I'm still questioning is they talk about uh, the little princess, which I don't know where that's going to play into. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know if they were talking about maybe Shiv or somebody else. But yeah, I, I did. I caught that, but I didn't fully understand what they were talking about. Yeah. People were speculating Carrie, um, you know, so, but. They, oh, they really, yeah, that's what I was maybe thinking. Yeah. But they, they they don't really make, you know, reference to it for the rest of the episode. So I'm interested to see if that ends up coming back up. Um, but, you know, we get this great conversation between Carl and Frank about, you know, maybe it just so happens to slip out of your hand into a toilet. You know, <laughs> I'm speaking comically at this point. <laughs> um, so, again, you know, we see these guys have a great conversation. Uh, Jerry comes in, they're all kind of questioning, you know, the legality of this piece of paper. But do you guys think since they're having this conversation that maybe it does have a little bit more weight behind it than they're trying to let on? Because if it really didn't have that much weight, you know, why are they all kind of wringing their hands over it? Robbie? I think it did have to have a lot a lot of weight um, because, like you said, if they're trying to get rid of it, you know, I think that it it holds a ton of weight. Um, the way it kind of was talked about in the scene in the entire episode, I, I do believe it, it it held a lot of weight. Um, I just don't understand. I don't know. I was just kind of thrown off by that just piece of random piece of paper just laying around in a safe and and nothing had come about it. I thought it was a little bit bigger when Frank got pulled away and and what they were talking about. But yeah, it seems like everybody was a little. Uh, little hesitant and worried about the paper so yeah i think that was 100 percent uh held a lot of weight especially was the basically the the 40 minutes of the episode devoted to it yep ryan yeah agree i mean i don't know the the legalities of a note from the recently deceased um i they seem to be treat like so i feel like they were playing it down but they were also playing it down 
for the audience, not us as the audience, but like the kids and whoever else, because they don't want it to be important because it's naming Kendall. Although his name might've been crossed out. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I, I get because of their reactions, I feel like it must, it must be important or it must be somewhat enforceable. Um, but maybe they'll get into that more next episode or, or over the next couple episodes, but I guess it's, it's definitely something. Yeah. To me, I, you know, I think maybe it's not enforceable, but I think the thing that they've, you know, they kind of loosely alluded to a few times in this episode is the appearance to the public that right. this, this isn't some type of, you know, it's not chaos there. And if they don't, if the kids truly believe that this is something and, you know, they, one of them ends up becoming, not the kids, excuse me, I shouldn't use pronouns, but, you know, one of Jerry Carl or Frank becomes CEO, you know, the kids can go public and say, hey, my father has a piece of paper here with Kendall's name on it. Um, so I think a lot of it is them kind of playing it down or excuse me. They're trying not to make it a big deal because they know if it gets public, it could have ramifications. Right. Like I've, it's it's not, again, legally enforceable. It's like if I just wrote a note now and said in the event of my death, give all my stuff to Robbie and Benny instead of like my wife and kid. Like there might be some people that would now it's a different situation, but there would be people like, oh, well, this is what he wanted. So we should like follow his last wishes, even though it's not like my wife could be like, no, fuck you guys. It's mine. And yeah. legally, you guys couldn't do anything, but there would be p groups of people. And I think you're right. It's like the public perception of that could be, you know, whether it's legal or not. That's, I think, what, what they're playing on. Yeah. So I, I think in between, um, the kids being shown this piece of paper, we get our first taste of um, Tom trying to weasel his way in with first Kendall and then Roman and then Shiv question mark. <laughs> um, what did you, what did you guys think about, you know, Tom, I'm here to serve Wom Gams trying to make uh trying to make some moves here, Ryan. Just like I said before, fucking everybody, not just Tom, but Greg and all the other people that were in there were just desperately wanting. And I think Tom was doing it more for, for power or to st to stay relevant um, more so than money, but everyone was looking for something like that's why everyone was there except for the kids. I mean, well, I mean, technically the kids were there because they wanted, I don't know, to, to, to take over the company, protect their father's legacy, etc. But that's why everyone was there. And Tom, just i didn't i didn't like it his his demeanor was just like so pathetic and sad and i don't it, it was i don't know it was it was hard to watch him yeah. i know he's not like the most um <sighs> confidence not the word i want but like he's not the most like confident person where he's just like telling people what to do and whatever he's always kind of like a little bit um, like oh okay yeah we can do that type of thing but he was such a like just a little weasel this this episode like yeah I, I'm here to serve like who says that shit <laughs> out of here 
Robbie, not the same question to you, but who do you think, if anyone, would have taken in Tom? Do you think any of these these the three kids ha- see any value in Tom? A lip bomb, Tom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tightrope, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> that that was Roman saying that, right? Yeah, yeah. So lip good. bomb, Tom Wom. Lip bomb, I've, Tom Wom. I feel like I don't remember. Tell me if I'm wrong, but like, yeah, Roman immediately was just like, "Fuck off, Tom." Kendall kind of entertained it like a little bit, like maybe more just to be polite or, or something. And Shiv was also kind of like, fuck off. But their their relationship's different. Wait, yeah. Was Kendall kind of like somewhat amenable to him or oh, Kendall, remembering it wrong? Kendall said, uh, I like you, Tom. And then good luck. And that was really their interaction. That's right. So that was like, but that was like a nice fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. I think getting so to Benny's question, I think it would be Kendall. I really do. I don't think it would be would be Roman or I mean Shiv can't can't stand him um at the moment. But I think it would be Kendall. I think there is some history there. Obviously the uh, interaction they had in season three at the end of the season, uh with you know, Kendall trying to get Tom on his side, obviously for uh for whatever reasons, but I think I think Kendall would be the character that would take Tom on his side. I believe that he knows, obviously, what Tom did, you know, is similar to what Kendall did to his dad, right? Kendall betrayed his dad a bunch of times, and and now he's sitting as CEO. Um, So I think that Kendall would definitely um, take Tom. I think I think Roman thinks Tom's a sleazeball. I don't think he would he would want him on his on his side. And like I said with Shiv, I mean. Who knows what I but Benny, what do you think? I think you're right. I think um, when it comes to the kids, you know, I, I, Shiv definitely doesn't have the experience. Uh, Roman is very good about uh, thinking of moves, like big moves as far as the corporation goes. But and I think Kendall values Tom, the the corporate employee. And I think that, you know, maybe he's not going to promote Tom right away, but I think he sees the value in keeping Tom around. Um, yeah, I was going to th- say that. I think like he's like Logan. Remember, like if you're, what does Logan say to him in in the past episode and two? I think if you're if you're here, you're here or something. If, if I think if good, you're if we're good, you're good. If yeah, good, like yeah, if we're good, we're good. Kendall yeah. see can see people's usefulness if they're useful to him, but he just doesn't say it in as cool a way as Logan does. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, you know, I I want to tie back in. You know, Kendall's final words to uh Tom there is, you know, I like Robbie said, I like you. Good luck. Um, makes me think of you know when Hugo tells him the news about the insider trading, and he asks him about you know what are the phone records going to say, and Hugo says, I you know I I can't recall, and Kendall just <laughs> pa- <laughs> pats him on the shoulder and he's like. All right, Hugo. And he just, you know, he just <laughs> walks away. Um, so they they bring the kids upstairs uh, and they show the piece of paper and the bomb is dropped that, you know, at some point in the last four years, this document has been created uh, naming Kendall as CEO. Um, there have been addendums in pencil. One of them is a underline or a striking out of Kendall's name. Um. The kids all have different reactions. Obviously, Kendall is, you know, taken aback, but 
you know, you could tell that he's in some way happy about this. Roman and Shiv are both kind of in denial that this has happened. Roman brings up the fact that he's tried to put him in jail 12 times since, <laughs> since this piece of paper was created. Um, Shiv and Kendall have a back and forth where, you know, whether or not it's, it's stricken out or not. And Kendall says, well, it certainly as fuck doesn't say Shiv, um, which was, you know, a pretty gold. Yeah. Pretty big right hook there. Yeah. Um, and they grapple with, you know, what they're going to do about this piece, piece of paper and what it means. Uh, what do you guys think? We, I know we see a more up close picture of the name and the line in question later on the episode, but Kendall's name is a line through it or underneath it. Robbie, go ahead. Well, I, I first think that obviously this is where you see the first signs of, uh, friction of the, uh, the entente, the triple entente between these siblings. So I thought that was great. You know, it's short-lived their uh, their peace treaty between the three of them. But speaking on experience, I've never uh, written something down and then underlined it in pen. The only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to strike through a name. So I think that <clears throat> this is a strike through on Kendall's name, a bad strike through. Maybe he had a mini stroke while he was doing it, but I think that it was definitely uh, maybe a, a strike through on, on Kendall's name to kind of, you know, not really put him in charge as CEO as he once wanted to do in the original document. So I do think it was a strike through. I don't think it was underlined based on experience uh, by yours truly, I've never underlined something on paper. I've always struck it through if I if I didn't want to uh, to have it be there. So yeah, I do think it was uh, struck through. Brian, who's uh, striking through his cell phone right now, I was seeing if <laughs> I could try and and Pull find like the picture. And your your point, I think, kind of decimated what I was thinking in my head because what I was going to say is, if you want to strike something out. And you do a line and you don't completely get it. Wouldn't you do another line or two lines to make sure that it was struck out? And so that was going to say like, well, maybe he just underlined it a little sloppily. He was, his health was failing. Uh, maybe he couldn't write as well. But I think you're right too. Like who, who would underline uh, something like that? Like what? Kendall did something good, so he's like, "Let me get my piece of paper out and really emphasize this." Like, so yeah, I don't know. I feel like it could go either way, but I did find um a couple of of things that were, I guess, written on the 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 piece of paper besides Kendall and Greg question mark Yeah. <laughs> Journalism school, question mark. Uh, RE Antiquities, which they did mention quickly. And then there was something else that's sort of not legible, like NRPI or something like that. So this is the Reddit detectives that found this. Um, I don't know, Benny, what do you think about the underlying crossout? Um dramaturgically i think it made sense <laughs> that, that the that the line was ambiguous um no I, i'm team kendall so you know i i want it to be an underline you know i, I think that 
you know, again, I'll be the third person to say it. Who is pulling something out just to underline it? What has um, what has Kendall? Excuse me. What has Kendall done with Logan in the last eighteen months that would have made him emphatically, uh, you know, emphasize Kendall is the one is taking over? Um, but to me, this is where my brain goes is they made a point to bring up the fact that Logan was doing Sudoku and yeah. he would he would need to write be able to write very precisely in those squares yeah, so it's, I was thinking that. it's not like you could make the argument that he can't you know he can't see what he's doing or he you know his motor skills aren't there um so that's kind of my cope right there that it was it was an underline but you know it's it's hard to I can come up with way more reasons why it would have been a strike through than an underline. So my brain is telling me strike through, but my heart is telling me underline. I want to um, ask a question now with, you know, you saw that we saw the fraction, the friction going. Um, there's a select few people who do know that Kendall has killed a person. True. Now he did tell his siblings uh, Shiv and Roman in the season three finale. Now, if we get to a point <clears throat> where this gets contentious or Kendall starts doing some shady shit, are any of the people who know what Kendall did, will they, as the kids say, snitch on Kendall? Benny, what do you think? I think it's that is a big, big card to play. And outside of some major fuck over by Kendall, which we might be heading that way. I don't think that any of them would stoop that low. Um, but I don't think we've, you know, completely dealt with that, um, that incident. Yeah. Colin knows too. That's true. I didn't even think what about is, that. Yeah. What is jeans on? Yeah. And his <laughs> fucking million dollar watch. And his kid that Roman didn't even see. <laughs> what do you what do you think, Robbie? Is it going to come back into play? I, I like I said before, like knowing this show, it it ha it has to, right? They can't just leave that big of a of a. I'm trying to think of the word. Matzo ball. Yeah, that big matzo ball soup. They they really can't just leave that thing just hanging with the series ending. It has to come back and fucking bite him in the ass. It just has to. And if it doesn't, I won't be upset. But I would have expected um, it to it to come up. I think I don't know. Maybe Shiv fucking tells Tom. Maybe Tom does it. I don't. I don't know. But I think it That'd has to. I, but I think it has to come come back to haunt him. That's the only way I see him him not <clears throat> becoming CEO of the company. Yeah. Also, I think, oh, go ahead, Benny. I think that the watching the first season and in the beginning of the second season, I thought the point of that was, well, they're rich. They can just get out of it. You know, you could see even a person's life. If it's not important enough, they can, you know, they can pay their way out of it or find a way out of it. But at w the way everything is heading, you know, the fact that they brought it back and it was such a big weight on Kendall in season three, then yeah, you're right. You know, you're right. I think at some point it's got to play a role. What were you going to say, Ryan? No, I was just going to say like, <clears throat> yeah, he killed the guy, but it wasn't like directly his fault. It was circumstantial. I mean, the the other guy grabbed the wheel. 
Like, yeah, he's responsible, but he's not like responsible. I don't know. I, I'm not I, saying that like he wasn't wrong for what he did, and it also could hurt him. But I think it's more the 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 worst part about this is his own guilt over it for himself. Like he didn't turn into the fucking lake. Yeah, but now you know he's the cover up is worse than the crime. You oh know, yeah, hundred percent. The, the fact that you know, either way, none of it can be proved. You can't prove that Kendall was there at this point. Yeah, no. And you, and and you, even if they could, you can't prove that you know the kid grabbed the steering wheel. So it's no. it's very gray. But even just that rumor being out there might be the thing that tanks the company. Something happens, they lose control. You know, maybe that's the big the big twist we were talking about earlier. Uh, some people just. How many how many like celebrities and politicians have like been in suspicious car accidents and like nothing, nothing happens. fucking happens? Ken uh, uh what's her name? Caitlin Jenner. Yeah. Ted Matthew Kennedy. Broderick. <laughs> uh Kennedy. Yeah. Ted Ted Kennedy. Oh boy. That was a very Ted Kennedy esque thing that happened too in the show. <laughs> that really was. Yeah. <laughs> um so before we kind of head towards the the landing of the plane of this episode where, with a couple of really big scenes, we get two kind of back-to-back Frank moments that I think were fantastic. One, like you mentioned on the paper, there's Greg with a question mark (laughs) and Greg, Greg shoots a shot and says, I think maybe it could mean, you know, if Kendall is taking over that I would be his number two. And Frank, you know, gives the (laughs) belly, belly laugh of the cinch and and basically he tells uh, Greg, nice try buddy. Um, And then everybody leaves because there's going to be some words said. Um, And we have this scene with Frank and Kendall. And again, another piece of symmetry here when uh, Logan tells Shiv she's going to take over the company. She says, is this real? Um, And Logan goes on to tell her, yes, it's real. We get in this instance, Kendall asking Frank, is this real? You know, and they have this conversation about, you know, did he want me to take over the company? he didn't love me. He made me hate him. And then he died. Um, and Frank, again, you know, I mentioned it last week that we had that Kendall Frank relationship in season one where, you know, he was a father figure to him. And I think it was nice to see that play out again, this episode. Um, you could start with a comment about, you know, Greg being a dumbass, or you can continue where we left off here with the, the, the Kendall Frank relationship. Ryan, what did you think of this little kind of mini scene here? Yeah, I mean, I I'm curious what's gonna happen with Greg because he's he offers nothing in like the business sense. He's just he's the true interloper, clumsy interloper. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm curious to see what happens with him. Like, did they because he's family, they just give him some fucking exec job somewhere at the amusement park or some shit and just let him go? Does he still have? Does he still have some papers? I think so. I think he has. Yeah, he still has a couple things, whether that's important or not at this point. Who knows? Um, But yeah, Greg is just just a fucking clown. And uh, and yeah, I love the scene with with Frank, too, like trying to, you know, I was thinking watching that like it was Kendall's like like affirmed with that but then at the same time in like the next scene or a scene later he's looking at the picture 
So he's still in his own head. He's like, no, he didn't. I don't care what Frank says. He didn't love me, but it's, you know, still nice to hear. Yeah. Robbie. I always thought that there would be a swerve with cousin Greg, but as this, as this season's going along and as like the writing for him, I, I, I just think that it's, he's just going nowhere. Like he's just a fuck up. Yeah. He's just a fuck up. And that's what's going to happen. Like I, there's no, I'm done with Greg's going to take over the company and Greg's playing the long game. I'm, I'm done with that. I just think he's a fuck up, you know, a usual stooge, like any other corporate stooge in, in, in America and, and across the globe. But even like last week, I just love these Frank and Kendall scenes, man. I think just the both of them, like I use the word again, chemistry, but the both of them have such great chemistry together that it's just, it's just great to watch. I love how he confronted him about uh, comforting him, you know, about uh, the airline doctors and talking to the pilot and things like that. And I just, you know, loved how, you know, Kendall went to him for advice this week as everybody left. I just think that he truly sees Frank as his father figure. And Frank, you know, since season one has always offered wisdom and advice to Kendall. And um, I think it's great. And, and, and I actually, which is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire episode, because I just love Frank as an actor and, and Kendall as an actor as well. And Frank offered his expertise, help, whatever to Roman too, but Roman took it as an insult yeah. or whatever and told him to fuck off. So maybe, you know, Frank's probably, like we said before, a killer to some extent or or kind of an asshole. You don't get this high being nice to everybody, but he probably is just overall a pretty decent guy. Yeah, and I think too, we, you know, we see how much he cares for Kendall because when his name comes up, and Kendall's kind of pushing all in on this. He tells him, Kendall, you're doing good. Are you really sure you want to be back in this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just, like you said, you know, he, Frank's probably not like this with anybody, obviously, because he's Kendall's godfather. You know, he's going to be there for him. But, you know, it, it's just such, you know, one of the few kind of good relationships in the show um, where Frank doesn't want anything from Kendall. He just wants him to to be happy, to be healthy and, and, you know, to, to be his best, you know, version of himself. <clears throat> now, Benny, uh, I don't know if you're going to touch on this, but I don't want to talk, my, talk about myself with a third person, but as the resident mock turtleneck expert mm-hmm. on this program, uh, I don't know if we're going to talk about fucking, I mean, Stewie. Oh, we're talking about Stewie. Okay. All right. Forget. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so, as Kendall leaves, you know, as they break up this little conversation here, um, before we get some words about Logan, uh, we get an appearance by one of the handsomest men in the business, Stewie. Kendall oh God. goes to Stewie for, you know, some advice and some help. And you know what? I'm not even going to try to sum it up. I'm going to hand it over to our resident <laughs> mock turtleneck and beautiful beard, handsome man expert, Robbie. Tell us what you thought about this scene. Well, thank you. Even though I can't grow a beard and you got the best beard in the biz, <laughs> that's that's beautiful words coming from you. Um, <laughs> so first off, I'm a straight man. Okay, 100%. <laughs> I think so. But nothing gets this pitch down moving as seeing Stewie <laughs> in the mock with the fucking chiseled beard, jawline looking impeccable, uh, suit game, Top notch. Uh, I love seeing Stewie. Like you say, like I always say, I love his voice. I think he's a great actor. But I do love 
I know Stewie's scum, right? Yeah, I know Stewie's a, a corporate scum as well, but and I know him and Kendall have a little, you know, weird relationship. But I just think it was another great scene between them two. Like again, chemistry between them two is fantastic, and I, I love their relationship, even though they're fucking each other over in various parts of of this of each season. They always come back to to each other, and I think that Stewie is whatever you consider a friend in in the corporate world, right? Nobody can really be trusted. But I think Stewie generally does care about Kendall and vice versa. Um, I think that I'm trying to, th- I forgot what's, what Stewie did. I don't know, but I just thought it was a great, great scene of, uh, you know, Stewie trying to help Kendall out and Kendall just throwing a little, little lifeline out there for just doing something after he just lost his dad. I think, um, one of the things you're thinking of here is Stewie breaks the ice with Kendall and makes that joke about, you know, how he died. He says he's probably laughing at your ideas for Pierce. <laughs> and, you know, this is the first person we see Kendall kind of break down in front of too. So like you mentioned, there is some type of bond with them. Is it, you know, best friends till we die? No, but there's, there's comfort between the two of them. And there is some level of trust where Kendall can kind of let that guard down when he's around Stewie and, you know, not only ask him for help, but show a little emotion. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Before I get into that, Robbie, did you ever wear that green turtleneck? Not yet. If the weather's nice on a Saturday, it might, it might come out. Oh, by Ooh. nice. You mean a little, a little nippy, a little cool, a little cool. And even oh like, if I can get a nice little, little sport coat going, who knows who the fuck oh, knows? Watch, watch I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to have to bring like a jacket to tie around my waist just in case you are wearing it. <laughs> I'm going to have to go buy another outfit now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, I mean, because Kendall says to Stewie, like, basically, Stewie's like, what's in it for me? And Kendall's like, do me a solid, man. And clearly, he doesn't react really, but clearly he does if, if it goes through that Kendall's the CEO. But I think <clears throat> Robbie, like you said, he is scum he may think that he can manipulate Kendall into doing what he wants. So maybe he sees Kendall and or Roman as CEOs as a benefit to himself. Whereas like Carl or Frank or whoever, Jerry, he doesn't have as much sway with. So maybe it's better off that it's Kendall. Yeah. I'm just looking at it like from that point of view. I don't know. Oh, and I, yeah. I think so too. I didn't think of it like that, but um, I've, I remember what I was going to say too. He's the second person that tells Kendall, like, "Hey, man, like you said, Benny with Frank, like you sure about this? Like you're making moves or whatnot as well." And that's and yeah. So I think everybody also knows that the addict might come back in Kendall. You know, if, if such yeah. a needs a little energy, yeah, a little big, a little big role, and uh, make him. What's the word when you go back on your? Uh, drug habit off the oh, wagon oh yeah. yeah yeah something like that so maybe that as well i mean i mean who really knows and shout out to sandy always smiling <laughs> <laughs> thank you winked at me <laughs> yeah that was so funny i think later on doesn't when shiv falls she's like stop fucking smiling yeah, yeah. um you know so i lost what i was gonna say here but okay. you know he's kendall asks stewie you know to back him and we, you know, we get what we're talking about, uh, where he asks him if he's okay. And Kendall has one of the, 
I think lines of the episode where he says, I'm, I'm dual track, you know, my mind's on a dual track and I'm paraphrasing oh. here. He says, I'm dead, but I'm alive. So, you know, we see Kendall's all in and he's going to corporate speak bullshit. <laughs> yeah. He's going to do his best to push down, you know, the grieving and, and move forward here. Um, so we move on to uh, our man, Stephen Root, eulogizing <laughs> Logan. You Googleizing. You Googleizing. And I wish I could confirm this fact that I'm about to give, but I did not watch the first two episodes of Barry last night. Stephen Root might have been on three straight episodes of HBO TV last night because Barry came back with episodes one and two. Uh, so if, if Robbie, did you watch? No, I'm watching after this, uh, actually. Yeah. So Stephen Root might have shown up on three straight episodes of TV uh, last night. Um, so good for him. We all love him here on the on the show. Yes. He gives uh, about as big of a bullshit speech as you could possibly <laughs> give. Um, and Connor takes offense to it. He says history is being written right now and he's being painted <laughs> as a neocon instead of a I forget the word that he uses, but uh, something libertarian. Um any oh, thoughts? Yeah. He's like he's not a neocon. He's a like yeah, like capital something, something. Yeah. But um, any thoughts on this, or do we want to move along to the conversation right after with the kids? Um, ah, just really quick, like it's besides people in this room looking for with their hands out, looking for money, or looking for power, or looking for relevance. People are also, I think, like Stephen Root. I don't know his character's name. Uh, are are like using this death for their own means, whatever that may be. Um, and uh, and he doesn't show up, but they do say that the the presidential nominee wanted to come by. Yeah. So like, this is a a political spectacle, and spectacle I use lightly, but spectacle as well. So like, he's just like he doesn't. I mean, we're basing this on what we see in the show, but I don't think Stephen Root and Logan were like best buds. Like they were associates, right? No, it was it was most likely a relationship based on power. You yeah, know, they they worked hand in hand together, you know, with the Republican Party. Right. So, yeah, I think I think he was just, yeah, just using this as. I don't know, a way to exert his own influence in some way. Yeah. Any thoughts, Robbie? No, I don't have any thoughts. I, but Jesse Armstrong did after the episode was over talked about like this specific scene, like getting inspiration from you know actual real life events where you know a powerful figure like this would die, and somebody like Stephen Root would come in and and just like weasel his way in and take over. So yeah, yeah make a little yeah make a little speech to yep. kind of up their Q yeah. rating, as the kids say. Mm-hmm. Um, what so does we, Q rating mean? Is that like Q, QAnon rating? <laughs> no, Q rating is like um. I'm I'm using it wrong, but it, it's like a a celebrity will have a Q rating. It's basically like a favorability rating in the public of like what the public thinks of them. If they have a high Q rating, the public likes them. If it's low, it's not so great. Um, but this is not unofficial intelligence, so we won't expound on that any further. <laughs> um, Q score? Yeah. It's the measurement of fam- familiarity and appeal of a brand, celebrity, company, or entertainment product. Yeah. So he, you know, Stephen Root's using this as kind of like a look at me. What do you think our Q score is? Negative seven. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, we move on to the conversation between the kids 
where Kendall wants to know exactly what they're going to do. Um, he's being ignored. He yells at the the siblings and says, we need to figure this out ingraciously. And when my man comes into power, he is going to punish these boys for kicking him out of the room. Connor gets kicked out and the gracious host of his, of his new home says, mi casa is su casa <laughs> and, and, and leaves them to the decision-making process. Um, Closes those gorgeous French doors. Oh my God. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. I, I hope that's not one of the walls that comes down when Willa makes her renovations. Yeah. Like these fucks. And I, I remember thinking when that was happening, that scene and everyone's kind of like gawking at him. It's like, just look at again, these vultures just picking at the carcass. Yeah. Just like this is mine already. Like fucking yeah. have some goddamn decorum in a in a and understand act like you've been there before. All right. Yeah. The body's not even cold. For real. Um, so eventually after some back and forth here, uh, it's decided that Kendall and Roman are going to be the ones that they put forward to the board as far as taking over the company, Kendall, because his name's on the paper. And I think was in a COO role, if not, if he still had that title, uh, and Roman is still one of the COOs. So they decide they're going to step up Shiv doesn't have the experience it doesn't look clean if it's just if it's the three of them uh, a little bit of nepotism going on there so they don't want to do it Shiv doesn't take the news so well and it kind of sends her on a downward spiral spiral the rest of the episode Uh, Robbie what'd you think about this scene oh man tough tough uh, episode for Shiv but I think when you reach your lowest point in life it's when you know good things I think start happening and you rise to the top I right. think Shiv is about to come out on top. I don't know whether it's with the election or something within the, the business company. I think things are looking up for uh, Shivy, honey. Um, <laughs> but again, I thought it was a. I thought again, I. I thought it was a great scene. I just it, it sounds stupid, but it pains me to see them pitting each other like against each other or the interfightings and you know reverting back to, you know, season two type shit and season one type shit. I, I did like when they all came together because I thought that it was some of the best moments in the show. But, you know, seeing seeing Kendall, you know, going back to his usual Kendall BS, you know, it, it just was a, uh, sounds stupid, but it was a hurtful scene to watch because they all should have been sticking together. I understand the optics and three of them as, co-CEO doesn't look good, but I don't know. I, I complain about Shiv a lot, but I don't like the way they did Shiv dirty in the scene. Right? Yeah, agree. I mean, it, it it's not, what they say is not untrue. Like, she doesn't have the experience that they do. She didn't have the title. Um, but it, it, I agree. It did. It was hurtful to see um, you know, two, three siblings. I mean, I feel it's funny saying this because Connor's in the other room, but like <laughs> these three siblings like kind of cut another one out. Um, but I, I I don't think they're wrong. I think that that was it either needed to be one of them or or both of them. And that's it. Like it wouldn't have in a million years been Shiv by herself. And if it was like Roman and Shiv, I think that would look weird. And all three looks weird. But those two, I it kind of does make sense. They were both COOs. They both have experience. 
Um, it's sad to say, but people are still misogynistic in this world. So, you know, having the men kind of run the show is maybe pa more palatable to some people, especially maybe on that side of the aisle. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it does suck because I don't know. I, I feel like I see on the internet, like a lot of people don't like Shiv and I don't really get that. I like, I, I, I mean, I like her as much as you can like a shitty person. So here we go. Here we go. Benny's got some shit. Oh my God. I fucking strap in. I am, you know, I've mentioned it previously. I am very anti Shiv. I think that she's a smart person. I think she has her lane in politics. And, you know, I mean, it could be said about all three of them where they have this birthright to this company and none right. of them have really done the work to, to be in this, in the, in the role that they aspire to be in. But I think Shiv constantly gets ahead of her skis and, you know, she has such a big ego. Again, they all have big egos. It's not, you know, but she lets that get in the way where, you know, Roman kind of knows his limitations on some limit on some way. Kendall, I mean, you could see it in this scene. He knows he needs to make this concession to bring Roman in right. and whether or not, you know, he's going to honor that you know, he realizes that he can't do this alone or it's not going to work if he does it by himself. Whereas Shiv just always kind of, she lets her ego get in the way and it causes her more pain than she needs. Whether it's her relationship with Tom, where, you know, she kind of put the airs on about herself and shit on Tom all the time and is surprised when that blows up in her face. She did it with Gil, you know, and she ultimately right. screwed that relationship over. Um, and anytime she's been involved in the company, she, she puts her, she tries to start making decisions and tries to do things that are kind of out of her range. And I think that this is what we see here. Like she doesn't, she won't, can't accept that, you know, she doesn't have the experience. She wants to be named the CEO and it's just not, it's not her time. And it's not, you know, she doesn't have the experience for this. Yeah, agree. What did she say? She's I did I did an audit or something. Yeah. Oh, and that's when Kendall gets in his second haymaker towards Shiv yeah. and he says, Yeah, that was daddy make work. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, between the your name's not on that fucking piece of paper and you know the daddy make work comment. I mentioned she was like super pissed at Kendall after the episode. She that was you know, pretty she, I mean, those both are pretty hurt like pretty mean and hurtful. Yeah. Like Maybe she might not have been so upset if like he wasn't being such a prick. Yeah. Well, that's what and that's what Aya said. She was like, he's unnecessarily being like super rude to her. But I think she, you know, I don't want to blame, you know, I feel like I'm gonna come off as blaming the victim in this situation, but like she's constantly pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, and then she gets hit back and then she doesn't know what to do, like she did with right. Tom. You know, Tom, when the, when Tom came back in episode one or she came back to the apartment and she started going after Tom and Tom hits her back with, well, if you want to go over all the things that hurt in this relationship, we can do that. So in a way, she doesn't almost know when to stop. Was it rude of Kendall? Yeah, absolutely, though. You know, they both have some blame there. Yeah, no, I think all three of them are similar in that. And I think I've said it before, like they've rarely been told no or been pushed back on by most of society their whole entire lives because they grew up in luxury and power. 
Um, and like this isn't this type of company isn't just like, oh yeah, like they their their father was a, a millionaire, they grew up without, you know, wanting anything. This is like American royalty type shit. Like they grew up like more powerful than even the rich people. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, they're all kind of like that. When people go back at them, they're like, can't take it. Uh, that's my read. Yeah. Any thoughts, Robbie? No, I mean, like you always fucking do. You always <laughs> eloquently speak and then make me want to, uh, you know, take back what I said. But I think I think you made a great point about her ego because they all act like spoiled brats. Yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, she definitely like like a spoiled brat this episode, but understandably so. But you're right. Every their egos. I think everybody's ego gets in the way, right? And they everybody thinks that they're capable of things that maybe they aren't capable of. So I think the ego definitely gets in the way. But <clears throat> I think you're right. Sometimes I uh I do feel bad for her, but she does have this bloated ego that and can't can't she can dish it, man, but she cannot fucking take it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh speaking of people not being able to take things. Uh, I don't know where where this landed in the whole uh, chronology of it, but it seems like a good talk about uh, time to talk about Carrie's little. Uh, oh yeah, uh, scene here where she shows up completely devastated. Um, she gets handed her stuff by Marsha. She's not allowed to go upstairs, and we find out uh, as she's babbling to Roman that Logan was planning to marry her. That they he was gonna make note of it. He was gonna, you know, she wants Roman to go find anything that would have mentioned that. Um, realistically, if that was the case, no matter what he had written down, I don't think it's gonna mean anything for her. Um, but I think that's it. I think just Carrie is just is done. Or do you guys think that we have not seen the last of Carrie, Ryan? Um, well, what I was gonna say is maybe in his will. Logan left her an anchor or person job because she definitely deserves it. Yes. <laughs> crazy um, arms, scary. Crazy arms. <laughs> um, I, I don't think this is the last we've seen of her, but I will also I wouldn't be shocked if it is. Like, is Roman really gonna like try and like look out or help help her out? I don't know. Maybe I feel like the only way Logan would do that is if he thinks she can help him with something because uh, she clearly probably has some inside information that other people aren't privy to. Um, so I don't know, maybe he will. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask, did it seem like the bag they put all her stuff in was just way too small as like, like a fuck you or, uh, <laughs> or did it, it I just miss, miss see that bag? It was definitely not ludicrously capacious. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, her flats were in that for the subway. <laughs> no, there was no bank job that that <laughs> bag was a part of. Um, Robbie, what did you think about Carrie and the size of her bag? Well, as me being a big bag expert, I thought uh, <laughs> I thought it was too small for her own good. But um, no joke. And again, I'm keep on you know saying this over and over again. But the reason why I love this show is that it makes. It's written so beautifully and acted so beautifully that it makes you hate these people. But in this moment, man, I felt so bad for Carrie, even though she threatened Greg and all the bullshit she did 
prior to this. Like I felt really, really bad by, I mean, what happened in this scene. And uh, it was kind of tough to watch. It was really, I don't want to use the word devastating, but it was extremely, you know, tough to watch and extremely hurtful the way she was treated, even though she's a piece of shit. But uh, yeah, I felt, I felt really bad for her, man. And, and Roman coming to her aid and, and, you know, Roman is what he is, but he's the only one in that group effect that has an actual heart and was helping her. And even at the end, he's like, Marshall, was that really necessary? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah he didn't like that. Yeah. So I, I, that's why I like Roman. He's uh he's, he's got a little heart in that weird fucking sexual type Sigmund Freud body of his. So uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a difficult scene to watch, but I do think that we will see Carrie down the road in some sort of uh some sort of role. Capacity. Yeah. Do you think was it was am I remembering this correctly? Wasn't Greg there like saying oh, Marshall man. like like <laughs> yeah, can you believe that? Like, oh, here, come, like here, a here, fucking hype man. Oh here come the waterworks here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You no, know Marsha, Marsha, you shouldn't watch this. <laughs> I fucking, I fucking I hate think Greg. I'm out on Greg. I fucking hate Greg now. Yeah, I, I, mean, I used to like him because as like comic relief, I think he's just a fucking weasel now. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm he, with he, you. He's trying so hard to ingratiate himself with anybody. Like he's doing it clumsily as Tom's trying to do it sneakily, but they're both like grasping at anything that they could possibly grab at, you know, to get involved with with the family a little bit closer. Um, but I want trying to get to more relevance by going to Marsha. I know it's because he's truly he has no idea what he's doing. No, he is. Robbie said it before, and I've said it in other episodes. Yeah, he there's no there's no twist here. He's just a fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, what what did you make of Roman coming to Carrie's aid there and the way that he kind of, you know, seemed like he had a heart or he felt bad in that moment? Do you think that was out of character for him? Were you surprised by that? Um, Any, you know, any thoughts that you guys had on that, Robbie? I don't think it was out of character because she didn't use the word evolve because she's still a fucking weirdo. But <laughs> I think the way he's evo- uh, evolved, like an emotional, emotionally, I think that it was it was genuine in his feelings towards her. Because even in the next episode, at the end of the episode, when they want to kind of quote unquote embalm Lennon type things, or kind of you know slander their dad in the press, uh, he's like, no, he's like. No way, and he tells him, kind of tells him, kind of go fuck off and never come to him again with shit like that. So I think he ran for him. I think he is the resident, not even mature person, but I think he shows the most emotion towards people and really does feel bad for people. I think that in that moment, he genuinely felt felt bad for Carrie and, and wanted to make sure she was all right. Yeah, I felt like his demeanor and like voice cadence changed when he was speaking to her. Like it almost was like a conscious effort by maybe the actor or whoever to like have a softer voice when he was talking to her. I know he may have been trying to like not have people hear, but it just, it felt like he actually cared. Now again, did he actually care? I don't know. I feel like if he wants to be a snake and use Carrie, she would definitely be a valuable hard to play because like i said before she probably has some inside info um or at least it's worth exploring what she knows um 
but it seemed genuine to me. Benny, what'd you think? Yeah, I think that, you know, Roman talks a tough game and he could throw punches with the best of them. But I think, you know, when he actually sees somebody in pain or sees somebody getting treated terribly, he goes back to when he was a kid and how he was treated by Logan or, you know, the other siblings. And he does feel bad for her in that moment. And I think, you know, as much as they've traded barbs back and forth and the amount of times he's asked, you know, Carrie to remove or put back in Logan's cock into her mouth, you know, (laughs) he's still, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he has that empathy um, that maybe most people in this show don't have. And you don't see it often, but, you know, I thought it was, it was a little, it took me back a little bit, but the more I thought about it and the more I kind of read some stuff online, I thought it did kind of play. So moving on from there, um, we go up to the room where it happens and Kendall and Roman are named CEO uh, with the help of Stewie, your boy, Robbie getting Stewie involved Bowie. in getting involved in, in, in the, you know, the upper echelons of Waystar Ro- Royco uh, and helps push them over the finish line. Um, any thoughts on this or do we want to head to that scene that you mentioned earlier, Robbie with, you know, the, the plans as to how they're going to announce this. Um, first off, shout out Alexander Hamilton. I saw that little, uh, little subtle drop you in there. Fantastic you. song. <laughs> um, do I have any thoughts on, on this? No, I'm, I'm okay with it. I think it's, you know, standard moving the plot scene. forward. Yeah. It was standard scene moving the plot, plot forward. Uh, you know, Stewie's got to be in there fucking wheel and deal. And I'm surprised they even fucking were able to speak when he walked in with that suit and turtleneck on. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, Jerry may have got a little weak in the uh, knees. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Jerry was probably fainted. But oh, I, before we get to you, Ryan, I, I did want to mention, um, you know, we talked about Shiv, how she comes bursting through the door. I, you know, I almost think that's like another one of our power moves where like, I'm coming in first. I'm leading the way here. Yeah. She goes, stands by the desk. Um, even though that this isn't her moment, she kind of, you know, mm. asserts her dominance a little there. You're right, Robbie. Oh, you heard that? <laughs> yeah. The whole thing. Sorry. Whole thing. I tried to. Uh, it was pretty low. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> oh, okay. Tried to get away from the cat, uh, the mic. Sorry. Uh, Ryan, what did you think about uh, Shiv entering the Royal Rumble like she was the Undertaker uh, uh, in 1995? <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, like you're right. Like it was, she's trying to, um, stay relevant in a in a scene in which her brothers are, you know, being elevated to power. Um, one one thing I didn't, and and again, I still, I, I agree with you guys that like Shiv does suck, but they all suck. But I really think it's like not the best day for her. And this is just like adding on to the fucking shit pile. Um, but the one thing I do want to point out in this scene is that fucking dork screaming, all hail the king, all hail the king. <laughs> and then he's like, king. and the other king, <laughs> and the other king. Yeah, fucking. Oh, I, I don't know if there's been a, a turn like this in my mind for a character so abrupt in any show ever so do you i was thinking about this when we were talking about greg before 
Um, shout out my Long Island accent because I just hit talking hard there. Um, do you think because of some of the stuff that has come out about the actor, you're mm-hmm. kind of looking at him in a little bit different light and it's making you kind of Maybe. sours you a little bit on Greg? Because I feel like it's creeping in my mind a little bit. A little bit, but I really do think that like he's in the and he could he could maybe come back. I'm not completely writing him off, but the past like two episodes or three episodes, he's just been excessively like scummy, like just like such a dork. And it's just, I hate that shit. Like, and I didn't like Tom this episode too, because it was like same stuff while he was more, a little more intelligent or more strategic about it. He was just like, you know, can we, let's be friends. Like, can I, can you be in my corner? Like that just, I don't know. I just don't like that. Like pandering, like just. Ugh, yeah. So it's, it's a good, you know, you mentioned Tom there. I feel like it's a good way to, before we do head to that, those, that final sequence, um, maybe tie in Shiv leaves and we get to see her leave. Um, you know, she's clearly upset, even though, you know, she, you know, to her credit, she does get on board as much as she doesn't like it and puts on whatever face she puts on. But as she leaves, she takes the stumble. And it kind of seems like as far as this episode goes, she's hit rock bottom. And I do <laughs> agree with with Robbie that this kind of portends that she, there's only up for her. Like this is kind of like her lowest moment. She's embarrassed. She's she feels like she got fucked over by her brothers. Um, but I want to do want to have us talk about the episode, uh, excuse me, the conversation between her and Tom on the stairs. Um, do you guys think that Tom was sincere? You know, we talked about how he was with everybody else. Um, but do you think that this conversation between her and Shiv was sincere? And also, why hasn't Shiv mentioned anything to Tom yet about her pregnancy? Robbie? I do think some of it wasn't sincere because what did he, what did he say to her? Like, let me just be, I forgot. At least he says something like, let me just be, I don't know, a shoulder to cry. But that's not what, it, what he said. But I do think that he was sincere. Um, obviously I think he, he had a little angle with it, but I do think he was there to offer some uh, support to her and, you know, try to, try to do it in the best way he thought he could. She's just disgusted with him. But I do think he, in in some ways, like I said, he was sincere in the moment. As far as her not telling him, I don't know, man. Like, I think she has to, like, she wasn't excited when she got the news. Right. I think she harkens back to what her mom said, like, not all women or people are, People are meant to have children. Mm-hmm. I think she has some, she has some reservations about her childhood and how much she hates her mother. Maybe she doesn't know if she's gonna be a good mother. Maybe she doesn't want to bring a child into this world, and maybe she doesn't doesn't maybe want to have children or, or and and have that burden. Maybe she like she says she has an ego. Maybe she wants to continue doing what she's trying to do. So I don't know why she didn't tell Tom. Um, but I think those are some of the reasons why. What about you, Ryan? Benny? Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I think that that is playing into it. Um, but I don't know if at least 
if she was a serious person, this is not really the time to like make decisions like that. I think she needs to at least try and process her father's death for a little bit and then maybe decide on what is going to happen with, you know, the baby. Like at this point, she has kind of like she has a number of options. I mean, boiling down to have the baby or I should say try to have the baby or try to not have the baby. But Tom could be involved or not in kind of either of those. I mean, eventually he would find out if there's a child running around that it might be his. I, I don't know. I think I think she's just not in the headspace to do so. She needs to yeah. be more like Kendall and ha and be alive and dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think part of it is not that she doesn't know what she wants to do. Maybe she doesn't. But I think part of it is she doesn't want Tom's input on whether it's a good idea or not or how they're going to do it. I just think it's more on her plate than than she wants. Um, but I do think Tom was being sincere with her. You know, I, he brings up, you know, when they first got together, I think Shiv maybe kind of sees that as a ploy to, like, get back in her good graces. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I really feel like it was the only real conversation Tom had in the whole episode. Yeah. And I mean, she's his probably his best chance to get yeah. back in. Uh, you know, if he's married to her again, then he's automatically back in. Yeah. If he grabs on like a remora fish to Kendall or um, Roman, then that's a little shaky. That could end at any time. They could just fire him or whatever. If he's married, then it's a lot harder. Yeah. So as we wrap up this scene, we'll kind of do these, I guess, in one shot here. Um, you know, the boys get into the room with Carolina and Hugo into, I guess it seems like Logan's private office. This is not something we've seen on the show so far. Um, the kids are kind of looking at his chair like, you know, kind of maybe another wave of grief and like it kind of hitting him that he's really not there anymore. Um, who knows how many times they've actually been in that room. Um, they mentioned the Sudoku thing that I brought up earlier. Mm -hmm. Carol Carolina and Hugo, you know, throw out the two options they they have as far as comms go, where they, you know, paint a rosy picture, put out pictures of the three of them together, Logan, uh, Roman, and, and Kendall, or they can go dirty with it and kind of say that they were the ones making the decisions at the end. Right. Um, and, you know, he was Logan was losing it a little bit. Um, and I think Robbie, you mentioned earlier, Roman says that fuck off with this. Don't bring this like to me ever again, stuff like this. Uh, and the two of them leave. And then we see Kendall take a look at that piece of paper one more time. And I think he, he sees that ambiguous line and he kind of thinks that, you know, He's unsure, but I think he's kind of leaning towards it's a strikeout, no matter how much he wants to believe it's it was underlined and decides that I'm going to be a killer. And he goes to Hugo, essentially blackmails him, tells him that he wants the negative information about Logan out there, but he wants it clean. He doesn't want anybody to know that it's them putting it out there. Um, Hugo wants to bring the other people in and Kendall essentially blackmails him, tells him, uh, you're going to do it. And if you don't, you're going to get the strap on 
and you have that menacing smile from Kendall that we end on. And I referenced it earlier. We get Kendall and the, you know, the first thing we see from him is him completely depressed with, you know, looking like a lost child. And then that last shot we get of him uh, smiling menacingly. And we get that awesome music over the final credits where the music was all kind of low key, the whole episode. And we get that almost like evil score over the credits. Uh, what do you think about the end of this episode, Robbie? Oh, I thought it was great. I thought it was, like I said, candle breaking bad. Such a, like you said, such a drastic change from the beginning of the episode. I do think that his ego got the best of him when he was scrolling in, he, looking at the the piece of paper again on his phone. And like I do, I didn't think about it that way, but I do think you made a good point of him, like knowing deep down in his heart that that was probably a strike through. And I think that I kind of got to him. And I think he was like, all right, like you said, I need to be a killer. I think it was kind of similar. He's like, fuck it. He did, my my father did this to me with the whole ship thing, you know, painting him as an addict in season three with that, that, um, that little, um, that article, that article that was thrown out against Kendall, um, pitting him as somebody who was an addict and what couldn't be trusted and whatnot. So I think that, um, he was all about that. Uh, do I think it was a backstab to to his his siblings? Yeah, I think so. Um, do I think it's going to come back to bite him? I don't know, but I think this is ter- the turning point when Kendall was always this way, but he always wanted it to to be like you know he's one of those corporate good guys, you know, with his little uh, verbiage and the wordplay that he throws around and little 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 words he chucks out there. But I think this is now full full Logan. 2.0 uh, by blackmailing uh, you go as well. I, I like that little subtle hint, that little playback in the beginning of the episode because you're like, the fuck's this guy talking about? And Kendall's like not even paying attention to him, but he is paying attention to him the entire time yeah. and he uses it against him at the end and I loved it. And like you said, back to back, I, you, they ended on him, back to back weeks they ended on him. Season yeah. episode three ended on him as well. Someone brought up that if you look back on the last shot of every single episode of the series, like 90% of them are either Logan or Kendall. Like they're always like the last person that you see on screen. Uh, wow. Before I have a bunch of questions about this, but you know, Ryan, what are your thoughts on the scene before we get into them? Uh, I just had a quick thought because I think Robbie nailed it, but um, when they were looking at the single chair, I actually didn't take it as they were being, you know, sentimental about their father. I was taking it as they only saw one chair and there's two of them Mm. and someone's going to have to take that chair. Mm. That's a good point. So, yeah, go go ahead. So what do you guys make of? um, I, I like what you said, Robbie, about him being a killer and him kind of reverting to his father. Because Shiv does mention that when they're having the the conversation about who should take over, where she says, you're the worst of both worlds. Like you are very much like our father with like a different spin on it. Um, and I think you kind of see that here where this is something that Logan would do. But what do you guys think about the fact that he's already stabbed Roman in the back in less than 15 minutes, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you have to, I think we know, like, you do have to be a killer in this role if you want to succeed. Um, 
I just can't believe like how fast this group, the three siblings are like kind of falling apart. Um, I'm not shocked. Um, I think he's going to do what he always does and just like explain it away with corporate speak. If it ever gets found out, cause it probably will. I mean, it's a show and we like drama, but yeah, I, I'm not surprised at all. I think Robbie, I think Robbie kind of hit it with you know the whole killer talk. I'm not surprised. Um, I think it wasn't inevitable either. Either of them, one of them is going to do it. Uh, like Ryan said, I think it's just how quickly it was done. But also, if you think about it, if Logan didn't die, right? Uh, Roman met with him, so right. was Roman going to screw them over? I know he tells him that he was in not so much detail that he was also you know talking to his dad as well that but that he wasn't going to get into it so he yeah. was kind of playing both sides and potentially about to screw over his two siblings so i mean yeah i i i i just was i wasn't shocked how quickly it happened so yeah it was uh it sucks but that's just what the show's about that's what that's what life's about man that's uh, that's what they're 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 pulling from you know maybe the murdochs or other people so it's it's Based on actual events, this is everyday yeah. shit. Yeah. It's crazy, I think, for us is we're lucky enough to, I think all three of us have good relationships for the most part with all our siblings. And to see like siblings on the screen just like backstab each other and treat Connor like shit and like all that stuff, it's, it's, I don't know, a little jarring, I guess. So my last question here is, I think we kind of t- mentioned it earlier. Has Lo- has Kendall got the bug to the point where you think that this deal might go south because Kendall wants to just say, fuck it, I'm all in on this and this is going to be my company. Ryan? I, I think so. Did, did I say that last episode or two episodes ago where I thought that this was what was going to happen is Kendall's going to want to take the company for himself? Yeah. But yeah, I think I think he's going to try whether he's successful or not cuz he's only one vote uh remains to be seen, but you know, it's like he could get out, get this money and and do what they are going to do with Pierce, but like think about this, like why sell this company my father built to buy another similar company and try to remake it? Why not just remake the one i already have control of yeah and be you know be be the guy for he's still fairly young 30 40 years whatever what about you rob uh i don't know where this fucking ending is going i have no idea uh you kind of game of thrones you kind of knew because it was booked but also you didn't because it didn't finish it Ugh. And you, you also, yeah, we also like Breaking Bad. Like you knew two things: either Walt was going to get away, Walt was going to die of something, either cancer or get killed. Um, I don't know where it's going. I do think that this deal is going to get fucked over. I hundred percent think. You, I that's exactly where it's got to be headed. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna make this deal. I think it's gonna fall through, and I think it's gonna seriously affect the company. I think two things: this deal is gonna fuck them over, and the presidential election is going to screw them as well 
Yeah, I think you guys said it best. Not much for me to add on there, but I think a combination of, of both of the things you're saying is exactly where this is heading. Um, don't really like to do predictions on this show because I kind of have proven that either <laughs> nothing crazy is going to happen or whatever you think is going to happen is is not where they're going. So, uh, Ryan, why don't you take us through our weekly awards segment? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Benny, because we are going to play America's fastest growing most popular game shit show at the fuck factory now this is a game that we like to play and talk about who lost this week who's the big loser and i don't remember who went first last week i think it's on me i think i think i I lead it off we should really Um, keep notes on this yeah but the the fans this way the fans like when we wing it they feel like they're involved because they're all good, screaming at good, home. Good, because we're winging the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. The fans are screaming at home that it's not me that goes first. It's probably Robbie or something. But yeah. uh, my shit show at the Fuck Factory uh, for episode four, I got to do it. I mean, she's sitting there number uh, number one overall. I do think that it's going to be a come up after this for her. But for this week, it, it has to be Shiv. Good choice. Okay. I respect it. You didn't take my person. So thank you. Oh, go be Mr. Shady. Who goes next, me or you? Well, I think it's me. I have no fucking idea, but I'm going to yeah, say go it's ahead. me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you might you might pick the person that I'm picking, so I'm going to have to one-up oh, you. Oh, I see how it goes. I'm backstabbing you like Kendall backstab Roman. <laughs> you fuck. <laughs> My shit show at the fuck factor this week is, I don't want to do it, hate to do it, but I think this was the worst performance in four seasons for this guy. And oh, that is my man, Tom. Oh, wow. You fucked. I, I did not like this episode at all for Tom. Well, written, you didn't get the Tom funny. You got a couple of funnies. I'm sorry. But uh, I just, like you said, I thought he was such a pathetic bozo this entire episode. I understand it's corporate life and people are jockeying for positions day in and day out. And that's how you succeed in, in this kind of world. But the dude was just slimy and greasy, and who knows if he was genuine in his speech, his uh, speech to Shiv. But just the the fucking weaseling and the way he he was acting the entire episode really fucking uh, chat my ass. So Tom, you're my shit show at the <laughs> fuck factory week. I love you still, but you better step up these final six seven episodes. Yeah, it just seems like he, his heart's not even in it when he's joking around at this point. H- yeah, House Wom Gams, House Wom Gams is in disarray. Ours is not the Fury. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, since Robbie took my choice, uh, I'll go with the maybe more pathetic but least less important option here. And my shit show at the Fuck Factor of the Week is Cousin Greg because he was also a pathetic loser this week. Whatever he was doing, the chanting when they came out as CEOs of of all hail the king, like there's nothing worse than an idiot chanting in a group of people and nobody else, yeah. r- like chants with them. Like shut the fuck up, you idiot. Yeah, yeah. he has uh, the worst self awareness in the entire entire show. He's such a dork. Get out of here. Um, great, great game, guys. We have America's second fastest growing game. 
to play next. And that is the, and I have to read this because I always forget the Logan Roy Memorial <laughs> serious person of the week. <laughs> and this is for who won this episode, who won this week. And since I'm going first, I'm going to go chalk, even though I fucking hate to do it because I hate his goddamn guts, okay. but it's got to be Kendall. My man. It's got to be Kendall. <laughs> uh, he, He's CEO now. He's probably going to take a lead role. I think I think he can manipulate Roman just like not as much as Logan, but I think he might be able to uh manipulate him as well. But I don't the power dynamic is different between Roman and Kendall and Roman and Logan. Um but I'm curious to see where this goes. Um also a big week for Roman, but I got to give it to to not my boy Kendall for this week. Uh Robbie, what about you? Well, I you took my choice, but my second choice you took. My first choice for the Logan Roy Memorial Fun Factory winner of the week. Serious person of the week. <laughs> serious person. <laughs> serious person of the week is my main man, Carl. Son oh, of a bitch. Good one. Shout out to Carl for being a fucking legend in the game. For what he did for cable in the nineties, <laughs> it's unparalleled. Out. It's unparalleled. The, the man who is half in on a Greek island with his brother-in-law. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he wants to get. He wants to go to Mykonos with his brother-in-law and just fucking live the life, eat fresh squid off a line, do whatever he's got to do. Yep. The the man is an absolute financial legend, a shark, the head shark, the hammerhead shark of the industry, a titan, as they say, Carl. You are written perfectly. You deliver your lines like a fucking stud. You make me LOL like nobody else on this show. So, Carl, you are Logan Roy's memorial fun series person of the week. <laughs> we love you. Can Continue your domination because you are on a fast track to uh, MJ status. MVPs abound. No. Please keep eviscerating Tom. Yes. <laughs> Um, my Logan Roy Memorial serious person of the week. He was coming in at a heavy plus 1200 to be the serious wow. person of the week this week. Wow. But it's very on brand for me. The man who is about to go on a, a jaunt across the country, a man <laughs> who has a brand new home, the Conheads again, they stay eating right. Winner this week is my man Connor. He's got a brand new apartment, a beautiful wife, and a and a tour of the U.S. coming up. So, listen, a lot of big things happen, but I've not seen my man Connor smile like this since he got married, all the way through this this great deal he made with uh, Marsha, ripping the apartment away from Marsha. Um, I'm very happy with where my man Connor's headspace at right now. So he wins my Logan Roy Memorial Serious Person of the Week. The man hates realtor fees. He, he does. really does. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I I want to they they better show him doing some kind of campaigning across these these fucking swing it. states. They have, to. they have to. They have to. Have to. Oh my god! Or maybe next week it'll still be at the apartment, and the presidential nominee will show up, and him and Connor can go at it. Yeah, the it, man has the man has one percent of the vote, but ninety nine percent of my heart. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't even want. I, I don't, Benny. I don't. 
I don't know if you watched like the coming up. I whole... did actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's not a, not a uh, spoiler like that, but he, he's playing a, a vital part in this election. He's getting no, he's getting no sympathy votes, bro. And it's gonna, it's gonna come. It's something's gonna happen with that. I'm telling you, yep. he's gonna swing the election. Yep, you did call it. All right, boys, what do you think, Ryan? How did you feel about the episode after the talk? Uh, better, but still seven point one. I think I'll take it. I'll it's no it. fucking, it's no fucking Miss Maisel. <laughs> Yo, fuck you, marvelous Miss Maisel <laughs> is amazing. Um, I do want to shout out before we go. Uh, we started watching Beef. Is Have you guys good? started that yet? It's really good. All yeah, right, we're about to check it out. We're about halfway through. It's really good. It's really good. I still, I still want to shout out Yellow Jackets. You guys should watch that shit. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to get into Barry this week. I will shout out uh, Dave. Dave's back, funny as as ever, and Barry. Can't wait. I'll be watching Barry tonight. Excellent. Nice. Hey, enjoy, enjoy the, the socials. And the eight and the email are in our profile. Uh, excuse me, the show notes. So please yes. hammer us, like Carl the Hammerhead. That's it. <laughs> Call us into Lopez. <laughs> um, yes, thank you for listening this far. We appreciate it. Uh, hope you like it. And if you don't, fucking let us know about it. Fuck right. Send the us fuck an email. Off. Yeah, please. Yeah, tell fuck us the off. fuck off. Well, tell us what you think. What do we get wrong? What do we get right? How handsome is Robbie? Anything. Stop. Never Whatever you want. Look at that fucking head of hair. Christ. Robbie looks like a young Carl. <laughs> he does. <laughs> I am a titan of the financial industry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Robbie, why don't you tell the listeners good night? Night, night, Hugo. Keep your butthole tight. <laughs> we coming with that strap on. <laughs> uh.